Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Saturday Standouts. Took a week off, a week absence, but we're back. And starting this week, we're going to go off with um, predictions by conference. Um, so we're going to start off with the SEC and go with the main team. So we've got Georgia, Florida, Alabama, LSU, and Auburn today. And I'd like to start with Georgia. Um, big news out of Athens, Georgia, Georgia today. Um, former Wake Forest quarterback and Georgia grad transfer, Jamie Newman has opted out of the season. And out of all of these opt-outs, this is the most interesting one. I'm kind of shocked, like the most shocked by this one for sure. Oh, yeah, extremely, extremely. Um, I mean, the whole reason for Newman to go to Georgia was to play against better competition and get better film for and improve his draft stock and improve his draft stock, his draft stock, excuse me. Um, so it's just a real weird situation. You go down there to Georgia from Wake Forest, do all this work to be able to do that. You're already in um, training camps or practicing and whatnot. And then I mean, two weeks before the season, you decided to opt out. I don't know what, the cause of that is, um, but it is big news, and that's probably greatly going to affect Georgia because we don't really know the, you know, where JT Daniels is at right now in terms of his progression from his injury, and he hasn't been able to see contact or anything. So, um, you, know, you were telling me earlier he's not cleared. So, I mean, that's a big loss for them. Um, ultimately, I heard a rumor that Justin Fields was watching practice. I don't know if that's true or not. But, <laughs> Um, probably not, considering that I heard Ohio State started football or practice today. So, um, but yeah, it's gonna be real weird, and I think that is gonna really hamper Georgia when it comes to winning the SEC East. Yeah, and going into Week One, actually, Jamie Newman was questionable. I think it was a foot injury, if I remember correctly. And yeah, he like he's a guy that needs that year. And I think he's like right right now, if you're looking, if you're just watching like his tape right now, he's coming off of um, a year, like an impressive year at, um, at over at Wake Forest, uh, the third best conference of college football in the ACC. He needs that year. And we talked about this, too, with Wake Forest is we know how capable of it we know how capable he is of being that mobile quarterback with his rushing ability and if you look at his stats they're promising but georgia and he like he especially he leads there's a reason why he was in the lead of all those transfer players because the guy that he that can improve his draft stock he really would have been used um a lot more in the run game with his mobility and his stats definitely would have shown it. And uh, one of my friends is a diehard Georgia fan. And he said two things. He said, one, send Justin Fields back to Georgia. And two, he, I'm looking at him. That's why I was talking to you earlier. I was like, boy, are they glad they picked up JT Daniels as well. Cause when I like first, when JT Daniels first transferred to Georgia, I didn't really understand it. Um, I we talked about this our first episode is hey, he was going to come in and compete, but you got to remember he's coming off of a season-ending injury, and Keaton Slovis is now the leader on that USC offense um, over in the Pac-12, and JT Daniels is coming off a season-ending injury, and 
obviously we know his potential. We we know how talented he is, but he's got a lot to prove. And I think the advantage would have been to would have been given to Jamie Newman. But now that leaves JT Daniels, hopefully as I mean as QB one. And the big name that popped up as soon as JT Daniels showed up in Athens was Brock Vandergift if he was going to enter his name in the transfer portal. But now all eyes are going to be on JT Daniels to be that QB1 for Georgia. But he's not even cleared, especially if he's not cleared. He might not even be cleared on time for week one. I mean, we are under a month. It's 26th of September. They're playing at Arkansas. That's their um, opening game. And JT Daniels still is not cleared yet. So if they have to go into the season, maybe starting a guy like Vandergift, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's going to haunt them too badly in that first game uh, against Arkansas. But, I mean, looking down the line right after that, you've got three huge games. you got Auburn immediately after, and then you've got Tennessee and Alabama. I mean, and then it doesn't get any easier after that, Kentucky, Florida right after. So, I mean, the, the easier part of their schedule is the second half, which bodes well for when or if J, whenever JT Daniels does come back. But at the end of the day, that first part of the schedule and JT Daniels not being able to get these like big time or get these snaps and, you know, reps and in practice and everything is really going to, I think, really, really dampen Georgia's expectations when it comes to not only just winning the SEC East, but winning the SEC as a whole. So um, it's really going to be bad for them. So where do you kind of see? And they also lost one of their wide receivers. He tore his ACL again. I forget his name. So. Um, that puts the heavy load on top of George Pickens even more as a wide receiver there. But um, looking at their schedule, what do you what do you have them going? Um, I mean, you so to start off, you name their next few games. If JT Daniels is their starting quarterback, I see them as a team that loses no no more than I would say three games. I think there's they still have LeCount. They still have elite guys on their defense. They have quite a few guys returning. Obviously, Andrew Thomas be out outside of Jamie Newman and I, and their receiver um, outside of Pickens, who you just mentioned, Torres ACL went down with a season-ending injury. Outside of those two guys, Andrew Thomas is their biggest loss on offense, along with DeAndre Swift. So they still have lots of returning guys. As long if JT Daniels is their QB one. And especially if he gets cleared, I know Arkansas is obviously a joke of a team right now, but they're hopefully building something. But I see this team not losing, I would say, no more than at least three games max, potentially a two-loss team. I have a lot of high hopes for JT Daniels. I don't expect anything special from him coming out, um, especially off of an injury. Uh, but one of the exciting games, uh, you named it, is their next three, four-game stretches. That, that's Alabama. And you look at Georgia's defense, that's secondary. They've got guys like Eric Stokes and Richard Bacount returning. And you look at that secondary, and the leader of that secondary, yeah, Alabama lost Xavier McKinney. You look at that secondary, you have a potential first-round pick and probably, in my opinion, first-round talent in Patrick Sertain. Yeah, that's the big one for Georgia is that game versus Alabama. Before Jamie Newman opted out and everything, everybody's starting to circle that game and whatnot. But 
Um, I have them going six and four now. Um, I'm not real high on Georgia as I was with Jamie Newman. Um, I wasn't necessarily super high on them with Jamie Newman, but I was higher than six and four. I think they would have beat Tennessee. Um, I think they would have had the chance to beat an Auburn or a Florida. But at this point in the game, uh, I love Tennessee this year and what they're building and what Pruitt's doing over there. So I think it's going to be a tough, you know, grinded out season for Georgia. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of games where they're in it um, and they like, might lose close ones or they might win close ones. So it's just going to be a real, you know, go around this season for the Georgia Bulldogs. So out of these, um, so I had Alabama. Maybe you have the same one as me. But out of these games, um, what do you? Which game do you find the most intriguing? Uh, I'm looking at that Tennessee Georgia game. Um, is really intriguing me. Like mm-hmm. I was saying, um, Tennessee's on the up and coming. Um, I like what they're, what Pruitt's got going on over there in Knoxville. Um, so <clears throat> it'd be a real interesting game. Tennessee and Georgia don't like each other. Their fans don't like each other, and it's right before that Alabama game. So. If you say you drop that game in Auburn, you're going to need to win that game in Tennessee to kind of have a little bit of confidence going into that Alabama game. I know everybody wants to talk about that Alabama game or um, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party when they face Florida and Jacksonville and everything like that. But um, I think this Tennessee-Georgia game is going to be a real good one uh, to to watch this year. Yeah, I fully agree. And another name, uh, former Georgia transfer, um, former Georgia Bulldog, I should say, and now transfer is starting right guard, Cade Mays. And I remember watching, um, you know how big I am now, hopefully on Ben Cleveland being their leader of that offense now that Andrew Thomas is gone, and even Solomon Kinley. But I remember watching Ben Cleveland, and those interior linemen at that time were absolute studs and they were not only versatile but they moved very well and had a lot of impressive speed for how big they were and one of the guys that stood out was Cade Mays you have Cade Mays in your interior and Trey Smith hopefully first round as of right now I would say early second round pick Um, but obviously things could change but you have Cade Mays and Trey Smith leading that offensive line they lost Colin Johnson as well as Devin Turney, and they now have a redshirt senior in Jarrett um, Guarantano, if I'm butchering his last name, I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> their receivers have a lot to prove, and I'm not saying they're huge shoes to fill, but Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay were very talented receivers, and there's a reason why they got drafted, I should say more so Devin Duvernay, Um, Because I'm a bigger fan of Devin DuVernay than I was of Colin Johnson, personally. But they they need guys on their offense, especially guys like Brandon Johnson or Josh Palmer, especially. They need those those guys to step up. Yeah. So our next team... I'm sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah, go ahead. Our next team is the Florida Gators. And obviously we went through their offense. They have Kyle Trask. You and I are both on the same page of Kyle Trask, and he's getting way too much hype right now in the SEC. 
Um, I mean, even Jamie Newman got that as the second he got to Georgia. He was already seen as first-round talent when he had yet to play it down with the Bulldogs. Um, but Kyle Trask, they have obviously Trevin Grimes. Van Jefferson is no longer in that spotlight. And we've even – we were talking about this the other day. Um, they named a list of SEC players to, to have a potential breakout season, and Trevin Grimes was on that list. Yeah, he's going to be the guy they lean on. We talked about that before. Um, Trask is going to heavily lean on him. So Florida's offense is, we'll see. we got to get their running back game figured out, everything like that. But the thing that's really going to hold them together this season is going to be their defense. And by do it, just looking off their schedule right now, they don't really face a whole lot of high-powered offenses here. So that could bode very well for uh, this Florida Gator football team in this 2020 season. Yeah, I fully agree. And one game that I'm really interested to see from them is the LSU Tigers. They're hosting them in Florida. And you have quite a few players opted out. And we'll get to them in just a moment. But their biggest name is Jamar Chase opting out. They still have um, Terrence Marshall. They don't have Clyde Edwards-Hiller. They obviously don't have Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson. They lost both their tight ends and Stephen Sullivan and Thad Moss. Mm-hmm. All eyes are going to be on Miles Brennan. So you have, and you you said, I mean, outside of Jonathan Grenard and David Reese, two of the most underrated edge-rushing duos in the SEC in 2019, outside of those two, they, have, they still have quite a few players returning. So I think that, to me, that's the most intriguing game. I think it will definitely be a close one. Yeah, uh, definitely <clears throat> intriguing to me, but that's not the one that really stood out to me. Um, obviously, everybody wants to go straight ahead, like we were just talking about with Georgia, and circle that game between those two. Um, in between Florida and Georgia, but the one I like here um, is going to be their third game of the season, and that's versus Texas A&M. Um, and that's going to be Florida going down the face uh, a head coach that they've, you know, had plenty of battles with in Jimbo Fisher. So going over there to uh, College Station is going to be a very interesting game. I, I see Florida starting out two zero, starting out two and zero, heading into that game at, in College Station. So. That'll be a big one heading in there right before uh, coming back home to face LSU. Uh, Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask, two of the better quarterbacks, battling it out there in the SEC. So that's one that I'm going to pay very much attention to in um, the skater's schedule. Out of the schedule, what do you see their record being? Uh, so like I stated, uh, Florida starting 2-0, so that's wins against Ole Miss and South Carolina. Um, I think they go on the road here and lose to Texas A&M on the road, so they're going to start 2-1. and one. And then they come back home against LSU. I think they get that win as long as Kyle Trask is healthy. So they're going to start off very nicely here at 3-1, and one. and then I fully expect them to go. Um, let me see here. I expect them to go 8-2, um, their two losses being Texas A&M and Tennessee. So I've got it very similar to you. Um, I've got them going 7-2. and two. However, I have their losses, um, excuse me, 7-3. Um, and three. 
And I have their two losses or three losses being AM, LSU, and a nail biter. And you might be surprised by this one, but I'm gonna go with the Georgia Bulldogs. Okay. I don't I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. What what's your what's your reasoning behind that? This game, I mean, Georgia and Florida is obviously out of all the SEC rivalry rivalry games. That has always been the game where it's come down to the end most of the time for both teams, more so the Florida Gators. And obviously, if you look at cute Kyle Trask and Kyle Trask and JT Daniels, Kyle Trask is immediately going to have the advantage that all the, the increase, increase in targets is going to go all the George Pickens, especially since they lost all their guys. And I don't think people realize LSU has quite a bit of talent like coming back on their offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And Terrence Marshall, obviously Jamar Chase is a huge loss. We don't, obviously we don't know the potential and the talent yet, or the capability, I should say, of Racy McGrath. But I think he's next in line, and I think it's going to come down to a nail-biter and a one-possession game. And I have Florida um, losing to LSU and losing to Georgia and A&M. Yep. Uh, we both agree on that Texas A&M game. I don't blame you for, for taking either of those losses for the other two that you were talking about in LSU and Georgia. I think that LSU-Florida game is going to be a close one, closer than a lot of us may think. Um, so... It'll be interesting season for Florida. Um, I don't think as interesting as, as last year because it was, you know, new. Nobody really knew what we were going to get out of Kyle Trask. Um, so now we kind of know. But it's um, it's a pretty pretty set-up schedule for them in, in terms of they've got breaks when they're nice and um, things of that nature. So um, Florida Gators will have a, another decent season here in 2020. So the next team is the reigning defending uh, national champions, LSU Tigers. Sorry, Bucks game on there. <laughs> Go Bucks! Bucks and six. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, LSU Tigers are next. Um, obviously, we've kind of did a little preview as we were going through our episode here. They lost quite a few names. The biggest name now is Jamar Chase. Um, they lost a lot of guys on their offensive side of the ball. Racy McGrath is the guy next up. They have Terrence Marshall coming back. And Kerry Vinson is one of their leads, the top guys that return, but they also still have Derek Stingley returning. Again, I don't think people realize how much talent is coming back. And yeah, they what did they have 14 guys drafted? And I mean, I don't think people the people need to realize. I think this team is going to surprise people. I don't think they're going to be an amazing team. Obviously, they're not going to be any super team, not nearly what they were last year. But I'm really excited for Miles Brennan, and I'm a huge fan of Coach O. And the fact that he passed on all these talented quarterbacks in the transfer portal really makes me excited and intrigued to watch Miles Brennan play. Yeah, I, I know you're super high on Miles Brennan. It's just it's just very um, questionable to me on whether or not he's going to live up to that hype that a lot of people are thinking that he's going to have right now. Um, still very a lot of questions around that team, in my opinion, especially with Jamar Chase now. 
um, leaving. But like you said, they've got a lot of guys returning, but they've also lost a lot of guys. So I'm not as high on LSU as you or maybe a lot of other people are. They're always going to be LSU. They had a great head coach there in Ed O. So um, he'll be able to do something, but I'm real intrigued to see what kind of record you have them going with this year. I do have them as a four-loss team. I wouldn't say I'm insanely high. Um, six and four, potentially seven and three, and finishing maybe in the top ten, top fifteen. I'll be honest with you. Um, after seeing all these guys get drafted, all all the guys leaving LSU, I didn't expect them to be ranked in the top ten. I know two four seven sports. Um, I think it was two four seven sports. It was zero them or. I think it was 247. They put an early release article um, or a way too early rankings. And obviously, you're going to put the defending champions in the top five. But, like, they, they lost a lot. They lost a lot, but they still have very – I shouldn't say they have a ton of guys returning, but they have talented guys returning. They have a lot of talented guys returning. And obviously, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is going to be very, very big shoes to fill. And I know I said Racy McGrath is the next guy. I'm not saying he's going to break out, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they're going to expect him to come in and produce even more than what he potent- what he did the previous year. But I think Terrence Marshall is going to end up getting those increased targets. Yeah, I mean, definitely. He's your guy <laughs> that was after Jamar Chase. So um, you said seven and three? Uh, six and four, potentially seven and three. Okay, okay. So uh, what's the one game that stands out to you when you take a peek at their schedule? I would say it's a toss-up between their home, their one of their second-half games against the Crimson Tide. Um, otherwise, I would definitely say Florida, just because Alabama has numerous amounts of guys returning, um, and we haven't seen any obviously like major opt-outs from Alabama, um, but. I'm going to go with Florida. I mean, we both just talked about earlier that Florida has an impressive defense. The, obviously, David Reese and Jonathan Grenard, they're going to have some decent, decently sized shoes to fill. But outside of them, they've got quite a bit of talent and they've got quite a bit of returning guys. I think Florida is a very underrated defense in the SEC. Yeah. Um, so who do you, who, so you're, are you going 7-3? Who would you peg as their losses? So I'd go Florida, Alabama, and either Texas A&M or Auburn. Right. So pretty funny, Sam. Um, I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, I take a look at this. Well, the first three games are cake. So that cakewalk first three games, not bad. Um, you know, work the kinks out. So that's going to bring up a nice matchup there against Florida. But with Florida being at home, and we don't know what else is going to happen with LSU. I mean, three games, and you somebody could get hurt, and then it's all you know done from there. So ultimately, I have them going six and four, um, which is that one extra loss. So um, for me, it's that LSU Florida game that's really going to hinge on whether or not they're going to go seven and three or six and four. If they win that game, I think they go seven and three. If they lose that game, it's going to be a six and four season. So um, the losses I have for them are against Florida, Florida at home with uh, their defense, like we were talking about. 
Uh, it's underrated. And they also have to go on the road and face Auburn um, as well. So those are two tough teams to face on the road. And then you get Alabama at home. But like you were saying, Alabama is returning pretty much their whole team. So um, expect them to be prepared and ready for that game, even though it is at night. And we're also not going to see the Death Valley we're used to. So we're not going to see, you know, Death Valley rock in the middle of the night, causing earthquakes and, and whatnot. So um, I think that's a loss there as well. And then I think they go they have to go on the road again to College uh, college Station in Texas A&M. I think they lose that one. It's interesting. Out of these teams that we've talked about thus far, we don't have any upsets. <laughs> no upsets. It, I mean, <laughs> Some of them are close, but I mean it's hard. In the SEC, there's very, um, there's a lot of autonomy, like when it comes to like who's good and who's not. So um, that yeah. and it's such a it's such a weird and different season. Like mm-hmm. never in a million years would any of us um, fans, analysts, or not would have expected this at all. Yeah, so, exactly. Like, this and is going to be a season like no other. Right, and that's a big thing when it comes to like. Uh, you know, the big crowds and, you know, the loud stadiums that are, you know, like Death Valley, the Swamp, you know, those are big crowds and they really get in, you know, like something can affect the opponent here and there, you know. So, like, if you're backed up behind your own 20 and, you know, student section is just rocking behind you, that's going to cause some issues and we're not going to see that this season. So, I mean, there's a lot of different factors that go into a football game, obviously, but crowd is a huge part of that, in my opinion. So, um, also, oh, with the lack of practice time and yep. things of that nature, are we going to see these guys at their full, fully peak and healthy selves throughout this season? Are we going to see more injuries than we're used to and things of that nature? So it's just a totally different vibe when it comes to this college football season. But hopefully that's not the case when it comes to injuries and whatnot. So I don't know. It's just something I kind of wanted to you know, bring to everybody's attention. It's going to be very, very different. Right. And we talked about on our first panel, actually my first panel that I've ever done with Unwrapped is, I mean, Christian brought up this point is, could we see limited play from all these star players because of these coronavirus concerns? And the injuries you brought up, look at the NFL, like you're already seeing, like early in training camp, we're already seeing these guys like big name guys, I know some some of them are major, a lot of them are minor, but we're already seeing these players get hurt early because they haven't been on a field, they haven't practiced in months because they 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 weren't able to because we were all quarantined. Obviously, I really hope it's not going to be the case for college football and NFL, surprisingly, we talked about this a while ago, too, is I was always on the corner of um, no college, there wasn't going to be college football. NFL wasn't looking hot. However, I wasn't really fully expecting a full season. Um, but look at the NFL. I think it was last week. Um, they had a guy on the Dolphins. He was the only player in the entire NFL on the COVID list. So... Like, a, that's a job a job well done. Obviously, there's more. I don't know how many. There's, like, a, there's a few more names I got added, like two or three. Fred Warner from the Niners was one of them. Mm-hmm. But I think the NFL is really, me personally, they're surprising me of how well they are, 
how well they've how far they've come in handling this situation. Yeah, I saw um, a couple of their. <clears throat> it was like a breakdown of their testing and what they plan to do and everything, and it was shocking because I didn't expect them to you know go that heavily into it. Um, so. It seems like they're on the right track and they're taking the proper precautions to be able to have a football season. And I mean, college football has kind of the, led the way for the NFL, which is kind of funny to say, because um, usually you see the NFL taking charge on, on these sorts of issues or type of things. But uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the college teams now and the, and the college conferences that are taking the lead here and kind of showing, hey, this is how you do it. Um, we're not only going to test players, but if they do test positive, then we're going to give them EKGs and check their heart rhythms and, you know, check and make sure these guys are healthy before sending them back out there to play on the field. Because if not, you're going to have some major consequences. And I mean, it's just, it's just going to be a weird season, man. And I mean, there's nothing else about it. You can really talk and say much more because I mean, it is what it is. We've kind of had to accept that and deal with it up to this point. So the next team is the Alabama Crimson Tide, and they had they have said they have several guys returning, um, few including Alex Leatherwood, Dylan Moses, and Najee Harris. Um, those three players were the most shocking to me. Dylan Moses specifically, just because he went down with a season-ending injury, and if he comes back, I think if he would have entered, I think there was a ve- I think there would have been a very high chance that he would have been selected in the first round. And I know a lot of people think mock drafts don't matter. Obviously, they don't, but they're always they're always fun to look at. There's quite a few people that don't even have Dylan Moses in the first round, and it might even be rightfully so because we only have like you haven't you you have taped from him two seasons ago, mm-hmm. and I think I mean to me if I'm looking at that tape, I think he's first round talent. But you never know. I mean, with this limited play, we could very well see. Um, other guys at his position throughout college football really step up. Um, but Alabama has tons and tons of players returning. I see them finishing um, in the top three. Uh, I know there's no uh, championship game. There's no championship series. Um, if I'm mistaken, I don't know if they're doing the college football playoff. I know they're, um, they're just, I think they're just, they're just doing exhibition series. Um, mm-hmm. All exhibition games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but Alabama's got like a lot of studs returning, and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs are big losses. But they also have Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith returning, and they also have Mac Jones, who obviously he's no Tua, but I think Mac Jones. I've, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm high on Mac Jones. But I think Mac Jones is better than people give him credit for. And looking through their schedule, I see them finishing in the top three, um, having two losses. Their first few game stretch, um, Texas A&M might be their, probably will be their first competition. Um, actually, I would even say this is potentially a one-loss team. Um, one being to potentially Georgia or um, potentially Auburn pulling off that upset. Um, But their schedule to me doesn't look, with the team they have, doesn't look too difficult for a team like the Crimson Tide right now. 
Yeah, so you have them at one loss, which is not bad. So when you try to pick out a game here that you kind of want to see for yourself and watch it or kind of sticks out to you, which one uh, would it be? So the game, the one loss I have is Auburn. Um, but I'm going to go back to the Georgia game. And especially, like, this is the first half of the season. Uh, it's the fourth game of the season. So we will hopefully see JT Daniels really get comfortable with the offense. One, obviously, if he's cleared by week one. And getting himself familiar with the offense will hopefully see him a lot more confident from, when, from what he it was in week one. But I'm really interested to see that. Um, I think that's a nail better. I think Alabama potentially could lose that game. Um, I see this. I see this team as a one to two loss team. Um, I think they have tons and tons of guys returning. We talked about Patrick Sertain. Um, they also have LeBron Ray on their defensive side of the ball. Their D line potentially a day two pick, and Dylan Moses. Obviously, we talked about. Um, they lost Raquan Davis and Fernie Jennings, and. They also recruited another defensive tackle. Um, so a lot of people don't don't count out uh, Alabama for um, potentially making their way up there at the top for D-line U. They've gotten Jonathan Allen, Quinnen Williams, um, Deron Payne, and I think this guy's name is Damon Payne, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they've got a lot of guys returning. Najee Harris um, and... We can talk about the NFL another time, but the, Damian Harris has been making noise at camp. And I'm not a huge fan of NFL or Alabama running backs because um, in terms of how well they translate into the NFL. Derrick yeah. Henry and Mark Ingram are one of the very few, but I really, really like Najee Harris. Yeah, he's nasty. He's their guy. We didn't expect him to come back. You and I talked about that earlier, breaking down the SEC Saturday standouts. So. Um, yeah, their defense pretty much brought everybody back. <laughs> um, so that's real, that's real scary for an Alabama team that, in my opinion, doesn't have very many real tests on their schedule. Um, they've got maybe four. I mean, that's pretty decent, I guess you could say, but I think some of those that we see now as tests aren't necessarily going to be tests, but um, I'll just start with the game that sticks out most to me that I want to watch, and that's going to be the rivalry game there against Auburn. Um, I think that's going to be a really great game this year. Um, however, I do think, or, yeah, I do think that Alabama comes out with the W in that one. So um, I have this Alabama game. You're saying you see them top three, one loss, two loss at max. Um, I'm going a little bit higher. I'm going this Alabama team is going to go undefeated, but if they are to lose one game, and this is my upset pick, and that's going to be Tennessee. I know I'm high on them. I'm very high on them. I know a lot of other people are. Um, everybody's buying into the hype, but I think it's real. I don't think it's something that's fake. Um, they've been bringing in recruits like crazy. Pruitt's the right type of coach that Tennessee needs. Um, I wish Florida State would have hired him instead of Willie Taggart a couple years ago. That didn't happen, so... Um, I love Pruitt as head coach. They're pulling the right strings. Phil Fulmer is pulling the right strings there. Now is their uh, AD in Knoxville. So I think Alabama, if they are to lose a game this season, it'll be that Tennessee game, especially considering that it's going to be on the road and um, in a foreign area. I mean, you it could be a look-ahead game. because, or I mean, if you come off a huge blowout over Georgia 
or something like that because Georgia's not what we think they are or thought they were. And you come in, you're like, oh, we're high and mighty, blah, blah. This Tennessee team's going to be easy to beat. we got Mississippi State the week after that. We've got two easy weeks before we play LSU. So maybe um, I don't necessarily see that Alabama team happening to them. So, again, I like them to go undefeated more so than I do like them to lose at Tennessee. But that would be my my pick for if they were to lose a game. Um, I think that Auburn-Alabama game is going to be close. Uh, I think this is a much improved Auburn team overall. Um, they did lose offensive coordinator Kenny, Kenny Dillingham, but they brought in another great offensive coordinator um, for this season as well. And Gus Malzahn does a fantastic job with that offense. So um, it'll be another nail-biter there between those two teams. But I expect Alabama to be more experienced here and come out on top. So undefeated, man. I'll take it. Yeah, and honestly, like looking at their schedule out of all these teams so far that we've covered – it's tough to, and I don't, I don't want to say, it's tough really picking a team, even Alabama, to go undefeated, especially during a time like this. Mm-hmm. And especially like Tennessee, I'm not going to complain about. And Tennessee was in the bottom half of her offense, um, but I'm not as high. I wouldn't say I'm like super high in Jeremy Pruitt, but I think I fully agree with what you're saying is Jeremy Pruitt is the right guy that they have there. Um, question for you. So... Sure. The end of the 2019 season, we all like, let's say, like even before the draft, like before, like we like this COVID stuff hit. Who is your pick to win the national title game? To win the national championship this season, I had Alabama. It was Alabama. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's so hard to look at who they've brought back. Nick Saban's still their head coach. They've been robbed these last few years not robbed but they've been you know they've been hype they've been you know typical Alabama hype and then they just they have to deal with Clemson or something like that or they suffer an unfortunate loss or just something just out of the blue and it just it's been different for Alabama and this is the year I feel like Nick Saban's gonna get it back on track and I've thought that ever since before everything uh you know kind of fell apart yeah, and we are um, we're under we're just under a month. The season starts to September twenty sixth. We are we're already starting to see some big names in the SEC. Jamar Chase throughout the, this past weekend, Jamie Newman. I mean, there, there's still plenty of time. And you even said before we go on air, I think it's definitely possible we very well could see start to see some players opt out during the season. So yeah. I think that this season is going to be a very very interesting one. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it wouldn't surprise me, man, especially um, if you see somebody get a player get injured early on or something. And I mean, I mean, they're able to do that anyways, if you're injured early on and you can you have a limit of what four games you can play and then still redshirt. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens more so this season than last season, especially with these guys probably not being at their like peak performance levels or anything like that. So. Um, definitely something to keep an eye on. So the last team for today is the Auburn Tigers. And we've kind of given previews of this before. And uh, Auburn's a better team now, obviously. I'm not super high on Bo Nix. I'm not the biggest Bo Nix fan. I think people are – I think people hype him up way too much after one year. Um, I just think they – we know – we. 
They think he's got a ton. I think he has a lot of potential, but we don't we don't have we don't know it yet. We we haven't seen it yet. And the one guy to keep an eye on, and I don't want to go too in depth with this team because we did it on our first episode. Uh, go and check it out if you haven't. Um, the uh, SEC um, SEC uh, analysis going through every SEC team. Um, but the one guy that's really going to stand out, and actually a duo, is Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz. And we went through this before. This is you help, I help you, you help me kind of thing. And you look yeah. over at their defense, big cap, potentially a third round, I would say mid to late third round pick. Um, and KJ Britt probably might be their best thing that's ever happened, um, that ever that happened with Auburn this season. It's on like that they got him back. Um, but that's huge. Yeah. Um, so going into this Tigers football team, I guess how high are you on this Tigers football team? Because what's always interesting to me is Gus Melzon goes into the season and everyone thinks he's in the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's to be expected. I mean not to be expected in the season, but I mean for some reason it is. Everybody's like, oh, oh, guess who's on the list? And they're not surprised at all. <laughs> on like not at all like obviously Gus is going to be on the list right like yeah he went seven and three last year he's on the hot seat <laughs> like some crazy thing like that dude it's just that's just how how it is I mean Auburn they expect to win championships so I mean I understand why he is it's the same reason why uh Willie Taggart was on the hot seat his second season and why he eventually got fired at Florida State after two one and a half two and a half seasons so um or two seasons, yeah. So, like, that's – it's just expected at Auburn. So, I, I understand why. Um, but, I mean, looking at the schedule, it's pretty difficult. Um, aside – it's probably about split down the middle, in my opinion. I am higher on Auburn than I am on some of these other teams. Um, I think I like them more than Georgia. I think I like them more than um, Texas A&M. Um, I, like, I think I like them more than Tennessee. I, like, I think I like them more than LSU. Um, but they're not necessarily, you know, um, the favorite, the two favorites, of, in my opinion, are now, since Jamie Newman has gone out of Georgia, is gonna, are going to be Florida and Alabama. So um, I put Auburn right there at three. Um, so, uh, but like you're saying, what the real question mark comes down to it, and that's something you kind of let off with here, is, is the quarterback play there from Bo Nix and are we going to see him take that next step and not he didn't make too many big mistakes but last season but there were instances where he kind of just looked like the game got to him or or like he couldn't pick it up quite you know quick enough couldn't make the decision quite quick enough and so is he going to be able to take that next step and I think He's not going to completely take it, but I think we're going to see glimpses of it where he's going to be able to make some of those plays that he didn't make last year. And so that's kind of why I'm a little bit higher on Auburn than some of those other teams. Yeah, yeah. and you're kind of leading into what I was going to continue on with Bonex as well is a lot of his mistakes seem to have gotten, I wouldn't necessarily say he was overconfident, but a lot of it was mental for him. And we, there were a few games in the, in the 2019 season, specifically um, the second half game in the Oregon um, against Oregon was a very impressive one. But then you see other games down the road where um, this isn't the Bonex we've seen. This, this isn't the Bonex we saw a few games ago. Um, so it's like he has, 
he shows promise. He definitely does. Um, obviously, he's big in the passing game um, through just over 2,000 yards, which is definitely promising. And I agree. Like we, we, we could see those glimpses of steps, those small glimpses of steps. I don't expect a huge leap, um, but yeah. Yeah, you're completely right. And I think <clears throat> from his junior season, once he has a full like, season to be able to grow, then that's when we're going to see the Bo Nix that everybody was so high on. Uh, it's going to take him some time, and that's and that's where we're at right now. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to watch Bo Nix. He'll he'll have his moments. He'll have his big plays. He'll have probably at least one shining moment. You know, like one one big game win or or something like that. But nothing too special. So ultimately, um, I'm going to kind of break down the game that I'm kind of looking forward to for Auburn. I'm not going to go back to that Alabama game. Um, so <laughs> um, what really strikes me as interesting is that Auburn has a nice little matchup here with Tennessee. So I don't know. I keep picking, <laughs> keep picking that <laughs> the Tennessee matchup with everybody. I know everybody could hate on me all they want to, but um, these, both these, you know, these teams are, are up and coming. Um, not necessarily in the coaching staff wise for Auburn and more so coaching staff wise for Tennessee, but um, Auburn's a young team. They've got a bunch of young guys that are good, Bo Nix, um, things of that nature. And that's going to be that game that's right before Alabama. So that's a look ahead area, in my opinion. So if you're looking ahead there, if you're Auburn, you're going to get caught and you're going to get caught in a battle versus a Tennessee team. And I don't know if that's going to be good for them because I don't think they're going to win that Alabama game either yeah that's an interesting one it's funny you keep picking this team I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Georgia once again Um, for the for for the sole reason is for the sole reason though is you have two quarterbacks that have limited experience on their teams Bo Nix is going into his second year and JT Daniels I think people are going to expect JT Daniels to make that make a big even bigger leap than JT like than than Bo Nix he threw um, over 200, obviously, what was it? Tw- over 2,500 yards um, passing in the Pac-12 as a freshman um, over at USC. Um, he's he's not mobile. <laughs> negative. He, yeah. he was way in the negative and <laughs> loss of yards. Obviously, like we didn't see that elite protection um, compared, obviously, to SEC. I'm not saying he's JT Daniels is going to break out, but I think, I, to me, Especially with a team like Georgia, I just think they're going to expect more. I think they're going to expect a bigger leap out of Bo Nix than Auburn is from, or from JT Daniels than Auburn is out of Bo Nix. So I've got the game in Georgia down in Athens for their second game of the season um, because of that limited quarterback situation um, from both teams. So I'm I'm really intrigued by that and see um, see if we start to see some glimpses of that potential from both quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, I, I could understand why you, you picked that game and you're, you're, you're just really banking on JT Daniels here being that quarterback that we all thought he was going to be when he went to USC and coming out of high school. So I, I completely understand why. Um, let me get your thoughts on what Auburn's record is going to be. So this outside of the Alabama one, um, I would say this schedule is more so tough 
um, than it is because they have very limited. Um, they have very limited teams that are like no competition for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Ole Miss is rebuilding now with Lane Kiffin, and you have Arkansas with Raheem Boyd, as we talked about weeks ago, and um, Mike Davis, I think his name was. Um, I do have them losing um, in Athens week two. I've got them losing to Alabama and potentially a three-loss team um, losing their last home game down at uh, Texas A&M. I've got them finishing. I think they have the talent. This record could potentially have them finish in the top 10. However, I would say in the top 15. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, I have this Auburn team um, starting pretty hot, going 7-0 um, to start the season. So wins over Kentucky, Georgia, Arkansas, South Carolina, Miss, Ole Miss, and LSU, Mississippi State as well. But after that Mississippi State game, this is that trap game I'm talking about. When you're looking ahead to Alabama, I think they lose that game against Tennessee. I think they lose that game against Alabama the following week because Alabama is just a better team. At this point, the Tigers have already are already thinking to themselves like, "Damn, like what happened? Are we what like what's going on?" And they're are, they're going to get down on themselves. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, athletes, especially college athletes, take take things pretty harsh on themselves when it comes to the game itself. And you take you go seven and zero to start the season. You drop two in a row. One that you knew you were gonna, you thought you were for sure gonna win, one that you think you had a chance in, and then you come back home to end the season against a pretty, pretty, pretty good Texas A and M team, and I feel like it's just gonna be too much for them, and they drop their last three games. So I have them going seven and three this season, which is not bad. It's just you know typical Auburn, <laughs> typical Auburn, you know record come this time of the year. What's crazy about Auburn, and we talked about Gus Malzahn, is throughout basically the entirety of Gus Malzahn's coaching career at Auburn, they've been consistent. I mean, they've always been ranked. They've always seemed to have finished ranked in that top half of the rankings. So, and I know you're, you seem to be very high. I mean, rightfully so, just because they have a lot of talent. Returning, they have Bo Nix, and you and I both seem to be kind of intrigued on if Auburn can unlock that full potential by the end of Bo Nix's career at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ultimately this season is kind of a test, in my opinion, for not only Bo like Auburn, but Bo Nix especially because. It's a make-or-break season. I mean, I mean, it's not make-or-break in terms of, you know, <clears throat> moving on to the NFL or anything like that. But in terms of, like, is this our guy? Is this going to be our guy who loses to a national championship? And, I mean, that's make-or-break, honestly, for Gus Malzahn. And I hate to say that, but, like, he he's, he's consistent. But what has he, you know, shown for it? And, I mean, he, he hasn't won a national championship. Am I correct? No, he's not. Exactly. I think the yeah. Been, I mean, the biggest moment from yeah. Auburn was twenty thirteen um, kick six, <laughs> right? Or in, in recent years. Yep. And when they made some national championship versus Florida State, and they were so close to winning, and they got 
beat in the last three seconds of the game. Um, that's as far as we've seen Gus like go. And like I was saying earlier, that's why he's always on the hot seat. He, he can be as consistent as you want him to be. And I mean, it's like darts. You can be very accurate and still not hit the bullseye. You know, I mean, it's it's the same way come with Gus here with Gus Malzahn and this Auburn team. You can over and over and over again be, you know, as, uh, over 500 and over 6,500 team. And but that's not going to get the job done at places like Auburn where they expect, you know, to win that national championship. So. If Bo Nix this season doesn't, I mean, it could it could all go to the wayside just because of the you know, surrounding circumstances with COVID and everything like that. And, like, he probably won't get fired because it's during that time or whatever. Um, but if the following season, that'll probably be make or break. But you don't see that, that transformation from Bo Nix, or not the whole transformation, but the little bit of transformation to where – you can tell that if he has a whole, you know, off season to prepare and get ready for an actual season and actually take what the coaches give him and everything like that and keep advancing, then that might mean Gus's seat is getting even more hot than it than it is right now. Right. And I mean, before the super team that LSU formed last season, Nobody was really talking about this team. I mean, they're in the past like few years. And you talk about Auburn. Auburn's not in Alabama. They obviously they were not. They're not in LSU. They weren't in LSU the past few years. They weren't in Georgia even longer than they weren't in LSU. They they're not a Georgia, but they're still arguably a top five team in the SEC. They always finish. Even if you take away the rankings, they in the top twenty-five rankings, they are always in the top half of the SEC. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're a good team, and they're always good. So uh, we'll see. And it's just going to be real interesting for all, for all these teams, in my opinion. Yep, I agree. And that will wrap things up. Uh, Caleb, do you have anything else to add? Um. Just want to let you guys know if you're a gambling addict or degenerate like myself. Um, <laughs> since we we are presented and associated by the Unwrapped Sports Network, we just um, signed a partnership with uh, MyBookie.ag, which is a gambling offshore account website. So if you guys head over there and you know set up an account and use promo code USN100, you'll get a, or you'll double your first deposit as long as it is more than forty five dollars. So you'll say you deposit $50, you will get $50 from uh, mybookie.ag to go ahead and spend on whatever you want. They've got an awesome casino. They've got sports betting as well. So it's mybookie.ag. Use promo code USN100. Um, Also, don't forget about rxhemp.com, our natural um, pain relief cream that is uh, made mostly from CBD and hemp. So if any of you guys work out regularly, I know I'm sore after workouts all the time or runners or used to play baseball got that short that sore elbow head over to rxhemp.com use code usn um or rxhemp-usn and you'll get 10 percent off every single order you have um but that's pretty much all i got for tonight sam sweet and i appreciate the promos and thank you guys for joining us and we will see you next week